0: I'm Amanda Olberg, Managing Editor of Education Next. We invite you to join this week's Education Next podcast, available online Wednesday morning each week at educationnext.org. In the fall of 2015, heads turned in Los Angeles and nationwide when someone leaked a plan from the Eli and Edith Broad Foundation to raise $490 million in private funds to double the number of charter schools in the city, with the goal of enrolling half of the district's students within eight years. Almost overnight, a long-simmering conflict over the role of charters in the city boiled over. The local teachers' union staged protests involving an effigy of Eli Broad Multiple LA Unified School Board members denounced the plan, and one proposed a resolution formally condemning it. How's that conflict unfolding? Is Los Angeles poised for a major expansion of school choice? Or will the most ambitious plan to date to increase the number of charter schools in a major American school district lead, ironically, to fewer charters? I'm Marty West, Editor-in-Chief of Education Next, and my guest today is Richard Whitmire, a veteran education reporter, former editorial writer at USA Today, and the author of several books about education. Richard's new article, Ed Reform Battle in Los Angeles, will appear in the Fall 2016 issue of the journal and is available now on our website at educationnext.org. Richard, thanks for taking the time to join me today.
1: Well, thanks for inviting me.
0: So we'll get to the leaked plan and its fallout in a minute, but let's start by setting the context. What role have charters played in Los Angeles over the past decade and how has the district responded to their growing presence?
1: Well, they played a, a pretty big role. Uh, L.A. now has more charter schools than any district in the country, uh, and that may surprise a lot of people on the East Coast to assume that cities like Boston or New York or Newark uh, you know, have the most charters. But charters have really settled in throughout California, but especially in uh, L.A. itself. And now you've got one out of five students in L.A. attending charters. So there's been a huge growth there.
0: And what impact has this had on the district, and how's the district responding to it?
1: Well, I think the district finally woke up a couple of years ago and realized that they were in financial trouble for all kinds of reasons, um, uh, including a huge loss in students. Um, In 2002, they had 750,000 students, and today, they've got 550,000. Now, obviously, since there are only about 100,000 in charters, that's charters' account for maybe half the loss, so you've got uh, just demographic changes, parents moving out of the city, uh, private school, but it's been a huge hit on on them, and I think um, it's been a little bit embarrassing for uh, LAUSD because study after study shows that the charters are doing a better job with um, uh, low-income kids.
0: Yeah, so charter schools statewide in California have a relatively mixed track record, neither outperforming nor lagging behind district schools in terms of improving achievement on state tests, at least. But as you say, the picture for charters in L.A. is more positive. Is that right?
1: Yes, it is. Um, and this has been well studied. Um, so they add a huge number of, um, you know, days of, of learning uh, compared to the, um, the actual you know, the LAUSD schools. So it's a 50 additional days of learning per year and reading and 79 additional days in math. So that's that's huge. That's that's big.
0: And so the district is uh, struggling financially, you discuss in the article. It doesn't appear exactly to have engaged in a lot of belt tightening as the uh, enrollment has declined.
1: Yeah, it's really odd uh, because this has been a trend for a number of years and it's, it's as if these uh, d- deficits don't even exist uh, to them. And they've got $13 billion in unfunded pension and, and healthcare benefit liabilities. And they just, uh, they've kind of taken the attitude of something will change, something will happen that we'll dig ourselves out of this hole. But that something hasn't appeared. And, you know, as charters get more popular, um, they see charters or they're looking to charters to blame for their, for their deficits.
0: Now, the names Eli and Edith Broad will be familiar for many who have followed education reform closely in recent years, but for listeners who may not be as aware, who are they?
1: Well, Eli Broad is, is one of the most famous uh, entrepreneurs in the country. He uh, built two Fortune 500 companies uh, in insurance and, and home building, and uh, he he attributes his success to the schools that he had uh, growing up in Detroit. And so he has committed himself to uh, education reform nationwide, really. Uh, but L.A. is his, his hometown. Um, and in recent years, his philanthropy has gradually drifted toward the charter side. And I think that has to do with frustration, uh, it, in his gifts to traditional public schools.
0: Now, there used to be an annual Broad Prize for the fastest-improving large urban school district, as I recall, but now instead there's a Broad Prize for the Charter Management Organization with the strongest performance nationally.
1: Yes, and that that's no coincidence. Um, I worked for them once uh, as a project journalist for that prize, and it was uh, inspiring, and, and, and um, they put a lot of work into trying to figure out which – traditional urban schools, you know, were improving the fastest for low-income and minority kids. And and what they found was that they would find a district that was improving, and within a couple of years, often because of changes in leadership, uh, it would slip back. So I think they just suspended it, I think is the correct word.
0: And so what exactly did this plan that came out of the Broad Foundation and was leaked to the press say?
1: Well, they went through kind of a mechanical process that uh... by hindsight was somewhat naive uh, when viewed from a political perspective they've got um, 282 charter schools there in los angeles with a wait list of forty one thousand eight hundred and thirty students so what they did is they just pulled together all these facts and say okay how do we come up with number of charter schools high-performing charters that could take those forty one thousand almost forty two thousand kids and so they, they went about it in a very businesslike way, and, we'll take, take this and this and this. We're going to take this much money. And then, you know, trying to be good public citizens, they sent it out to review to scores of organizations. Uh, and not surprisingly, um, one or two or even more uh, leaked it uh, because, obviously, the unions or the district was not going to be happy with this.
0: So you say the question is less who leaked it but rather who didn't leak it it was uh not as much as a leak but just a consequence of their uh i guess effort to get public feedback
1: right exactly
0: and how has this changed the conversation in los angeles
1: well i think that you would have had a blow up there but over charters and the district regardless of this but this just happened to come along um, Bro just happened to stumble into this uh, and so that became the catalyst that pushed everything to the surface and that what that did was it it sort of radicalized the school board, it terrified the district uh, and it definitely uh, ramped up the efforts uh, by the union there to fight charters so you add all those up and there's just been a huge backlash about charters and I think the charter leaders uh, sort of headed to the bunkers, if you will, going, oh, my God, what just happened here? Um, so they're kind of uh, back on their heels. The, the school district has found ways. The school district authorizes almost all the charters there, um, and there's been advantages to both sides. For that to happen but because the school district is the authorizer the school district is then in a position to make life very uncomfortable for those charters as they try to renew their authorization or just go through annual reviews and so it's been a blizzard of paperwork and uh, aimed at the charters
0: now one of the most striking aspects of the article is you're reporting on how this conflict is playing out at the school level in many cases in Los Angeles charter and district schools share the same facilities How have the dynamics in that kind of situation changed? Right.
1: That doesn't have anything to do with that. That's separate from the um, broad plan. But there are about five factors here that have created this uh, very toxic relationship, and the co-location is is one of the five. Um, It's required by law. They are required to share their facilities, Um, and but it's something that went along somewhat. Quietly for a while, uh, uh, but the district wasn't really cooperating, and so the um, California Charter School Association took them to court, um, which didn't make them happy uh, or parents necessarily happy when they found that they had to share their school with the charter. And so I think when this Broad went on, when the temperature went up um, over the Broad plan, the temperature went up on the co locations as well, and um, it can get really nasty at the local level.
0: Now, you end the article by saying that the future of the L.A. schools is both troubled and cloudy, but you avoid making a prediction. I want to try and put you on the spot here a little bit and ask you, what can we expect going forward out of Los Angeles?
1: Well, there are some signs, even you know, since I turned in this article, that um, it is entirely possible that the school district can improve relationships with the charters, especially since that road plan has now morphed into a great LA schools now, great schools now plan that reaches out to the school district and funds high-performing uh, seats in LAUSD. Uh, specifically, I think they're they're looking at um, oh certain um, magnet schools, especially in poor neighborhoods. So that's That broad effort is now not going just to charter schools, but will go also to LAUSD. And the new superintendent of schools there uh, in the district has said, look, you know, charters are not our enemy. So things look slightly better on that front, but I don't think they're going to improve on the union front at all. I think things possibly will get worse there.
0: Well, maybe we'll have the chance to revisit this topic with you a year or two down the road. Uh, In the meantime, thank you for your contribution. My guest today has been Richard Whitmire. His article on the Los Angeles schools is available now at educationnext.org. Richard, thanks for the article, the reporting, and for the conversation.
1: Well, thanks for inviting me. I appreciate it.
0: Thank you for tuning in to Education Next's weekly podcast, released every Wednesday morning. For more on education reform, Visit us online, educationnext.org.